0: Thanks for joining us on Two Age Sojourner, and uh, use the jingle. Bro, how's it going?
1: Yeah, going pretty good. A little bit, uh, a little bit tired, man. I had a full-on weekend.
0: Yep, I, I saw that you're dominating Facebook. I mean, you're everywhere. It's hard to uh, turn left. Yeah, I think, I no, think it's due to
1: this guy called Mike Bay, who's like trying to talk it up. But
0: uh... <laughs> I am—I uh, <laughs> I made the mistake of, of subscribing to that, um, that that little website thing uh, on Facebook, and so <laughs> so whenever there's anything new, which is always something to do with you, by the way, uh, it's just right there on top of my Facebook feeds. So I'm like, what the heck? Funny. It's quite a—it's quite a shock to the system after having like never seen you on Facebook ever. Yeah, I'm, so just uh, like every day. Not li- Il- not living up to
1: my reputation.
0: Yeah, I mean, wow, you're dominating, bro. It's great. So uh, yeah. you were at you did a Tell Me conference, which is an evangelism conference. Um, yeah, so
1: the the Tell Me yeah the Tell Me conference is run by Redemption Church Christchurch. There's uh-huh. a group of guys who are super excited about evangelism. They've actually hired a guy <clears throat> called Glenn to go uh, to be an evangelist six days a week. That's hmm. how I committed they are to street evangelism. And they've started this Tell Me conference where they get, uh, just once a year, they have a conference around issues rela- relating to evangelism. So last year, they got Rob Harrodin to talk oh. on hell.
0: Talk um, on hell. So yes. they,
1: wow. Yeah, to talk on hell. That relates to evangelism. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this year, they got me, another Reformed Baptist, to talk on repentance. What was interesting is they had... Um, so they got a guy called Ryan Himmler from Australia to talk on analogy in preaching the gospel. Okay. And so he gave a, re- a really good sort of how-to practical manual on, you know, if someone brings uh, this objection, here are four ways that it can go, so on and so forth. And he emphasized using analogies in your preaching. So just right. using a lot of picture language to keep the person hooked while you're talking Um Hmm. I spoke on sort of the theology of repentance. And then they had Phil Johnson, you know, uh, John MacArthur's right-hand man. Yeah. They uh, recorded a 30-minute Skype interview with him. No way. Uh, which they broadcast as well.
0: Oh, cool. And so...
1: next year, they've got James White coming out.
0: Ah, wow.
1: Yeah. Right. So you've yeah, found... James White, right?
0: So you were like John the Baptist preparing the way.
1: Yeah, preparing the way for James White, that's right. <laughs>
0: I mean, if that guy—if he's even standing—and I mean, dude, he's taking so much strain. Things are going so crazy. Well, I suppose they always are. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah. every time I say, well, I, think, "I think he loves it," I, yeah, think, he I loves, think he
1: loves it. Totally. <laughs> yeah, you think
0: you think it's like it surely can't get any more intense, and it does. And you just think, "Oh wow, how does he do that?" Yeah. You know, one minute in that guy's life would just crush me forever and ever. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. So he's coming back to. I you don't know, know. I
1: don't know if I could take the criticism, man. Sure.
0: Really bad. I mean, it's just so brutal. Everything's so brutal. It's so nasty, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's one of the reasons I don't want to be famous is people are going to start talking about me and I'm going to go and cry.
0: Too late, Brian. You're already on Facebook. It's happening. It's going viral. (laughs) It's just (laughs) the doctrine of repentance. So you did a crack of yeah. or a teaching thing session on uh, repentance. Yeah, so
1: I mean, what what I tried to do was uh, just to set up. Firstly, because I mean, we had the 500 year anniversary of the Reformation, and it was big on faith alone. Mm-hmm. And so the question naturally arises: you know, so many of the gospel preaching, so much of the gospel preaching in the Gospels and Acts, constantly says, you know, repent and be baptized. Repent for the forgiveness of your sins. And so, you know, how, how does repentance fit into the gospel when we've been hammering on faith alone? Mm-hmm. Are, we, are we offering it as a work? How does it relate to faith? And, and then the other issue I tried to deal with was, um, you know, now that we're in a postmodern age and a post-Christian age, when you talk about law, and you talk about rules and talking about being a law breaker, you can give a wrong impression to a bunch of people who don't know the Bible or the God of the Bible. Right. Because if you say repent, <clears> what <throat> you're saying to people is stop breaking the rules and start keeping the rules. Mm. They're going to think that that's the path of salvation. Mm-hmm. And so you, you can actually misrepresent the gospel and make it seem like works. Yeah. So the challenge is how do you preach repentance? How do you stay faithful to the message and the example of repentance in the scriptures mm-hmm. in a post Christian context Yeah. without stuffing up the gospel? <laughs> yeah, so I had a go at that.
0: Nice. And uh, it went well. And uh, so how long did you take to, how long was your session?
1: So I had 50 minutes. Okay. So uh, well, what I did <laughs> is I went, I went through the uh, auto-salutus. Right. So just what I tried to do is just to map out how repentance is situated in the uh, order of salvation to show its relationship to regeneration, mm-hmm. which gives birth to it, faith, which it comes with, And then how justification is not by repentance but by faith Mm. that faith is the instrumental means by which we are justified not repentance Mm -hmm. faith is the receiving of christ's righteousness repentance is the putting away of sin Mm -hmm. and it's christ's righteousness which justifies us not how well we put away sin yeah brilliant so just just trying to hammer some of that stuff out getting into the the nitty-gritty of it you reckon you could run us through something in less than 50 minutes I'm sure I can just like Uh, you want me to run through the the order stuff.
0: Yeah, well, take us through what you basically the substance of what you took us through. I mean, I know you kind of gave us a little. I I, I guess there was
1: there were some concerns that were raised. I mean, uh, there were some in-house debates in Operation 513. Operation 513 comes from the verse Matthew 513 being the salt and light. Mm -hmm. So that's where that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And um, so just amongst the various evangelists, they were just negotiating, you know, do you need to say the word repentance? Mm. in a gospel presentation. Shouldn't we only talk about faith? Aren't we implying repentance when we talk about sin and faith mm. and Christ having to die for sin? Isn't repentance implied somewhere along the line? And so knowing that those were some of the underlying discussions, mm-hmm. I decided to look at the auto salutus. Mm-hmm. So as a Calvinist, what you do is you you show how the application of the finished work of Christ begins with regeneration.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, basically, you know, as John Calvin put it this way, that uh, when you are united to Christ in regeneration in the new birth, Mm -hmm. there is a duplex gratia. There is a a twofold grace that results. Mm -hmm. There are two inevitable fruits of our regeneration. And those two inevitable fruits are faith and repentance. They always come together, two sides of a single coin, Siamese twins joined at the brain, whatever sort of picture you want to look at. So to envisage... uh, a message of salvation that says believe and you'll get born again. Like the Armenians do. Yes. It's it, it runs the risk of not having that essential Siamese twin of repentance accompanying faith. Right? So mm-hmm. what I did is I mapped that out showing how awesome, uh, the alpha point of our salvation begins with the monogistic act of God regenerating us mm-hmm. by uniting us to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that inevitably produces both faith and repentance yeah. and then so what i did is i looked at the doctrine of faith you know mm-hmm. the three parts of faith yeah uh knowledge scent trust Brilliant. and uh, just really hammering out the trust aspect to, to, <clears throat> to show how justification is is something we receive as a free gift mm-hmm. it's not a performance act it's not it's not a yeah it's it's a receiving thing yeah and so then looking at the doctrine of repentance in relation to that and just i put the question to them are you justified by repentance hmm you know, and it's, it's a question most people don't ask, but needs to be asked. Right, right, right. Because um, if you have a very tender conscience and, you know, you, you, you maybe tend towards legalism and you just sinned today and you think maybe you've lost your justification because, you know, you sinned and isn't repentance, you know, never doing a sin again. You know, yeah. a lot yeah. of assurance issues can come into play if you don't have this stuff straightened out.
0: Yeah, actually. Um, so just showing how. Yeah. Yeah. i just going to say, you know, I've actually met people that have struggled with this very thing, you know, they've come out of perhaps a legalistic background, and uh, they, they, they come into um, a Calvinistic understanding that helps immediately, um, just the grace alone thing, but... Um, you know, then they really do struggle with this repentance issue for, for precisely these reasons. So, you know, uh, the clarity on this I think is is usually important because otherwise the default for them would just be, well, you know, just get rid of repentance. Or I've heard people describe repentance as just doing nothing at all. You know, rather than, um, you know, it's almost like you're repenting of good works rather than anything else than your own sin. Um, you know, because they're so phobic of of actually just tampering with grace. But if you get it right, we, you understand totally. that that doesn't have to happen. So yeah,
1: yeah. Because if we were if we were justified by repentance, you mean, I think Martin Luther put it this way. You know, how many you know you 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 sin, and so then you go before the Lord and you cry. Yeah. But am I crying hard enough for what sin deserves? Exactly. Yeah. Am I am I penitent enough? And if I do this sin again, was my first repentance sincere enough that I know that it justified me? Yeah. <laughs> And so it you're did. thrown into this conundrum. Yeah. Yeah. So justification mm. has to be by faith, not by repentance. Wow. But faith does not uh, stand alone. It it um, it is always accompanied with repentance. And so what I did is I just looked at regeneration as the root mm. uh, in terms of a duplex gratia, a mm-hmm. twofold grace. That faith and, re- and repentance always flow from a true work of grace in the heart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that, that was the main area that I explored. Okay. Then we, uh, then also what I did is I looked at, uh, yeah, carry on.
0: No, no. I was just, uh, I remember you saying something about the, um, it was it the same talk, something to do with, uh, preaching this in a postmodern context. Was that that, or, uh, was that another session? Yeah.
1: So that was my second point. Okay, yeah. That was the
0: second point. Right. Yeah.
1: So then, uh, so what I did is I laid out the order showing yeah. how repentance is situated in it. It's not faith. It comes with faith. It's not what justifies. But it always attends faith. So just showing you that it's it's not something you can leave out, and we have to understand it properly. Mm. Then the next sort of issue that we wanted to look at was, you know, just just imagine the scenario: you got a bunch of people, they're post-Christian, they've never been to church, never been to Sunday school, haven't heard about uh, haven't heard about Jesus through Bible in schools, they don't know the Bible's got two testaments, they don't know that they don't know about the Trinity. And then you come to them, and all they have are these stereotypes and these caricatures from popular media. And you come to them and you say, "Repent, or you're going to go to hell." Mm. what what wrong ideas about God are you confirming to, to someone who doesn't have a biblical understanding? Mm. You know, back in uh, 50 years ago when Billy Graham was doing his thing, you know, we lived in a Christian worldview. Mm. And here was the problem with people living in a Christian civilization. They knew that they were sinful, but they just didn't realize how sinful they were. Mm. And so the methodology was to use the law To compound their sinfulness, which they already agreed with, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) and uh, you could then point them to grace once you'd shown them how guilty they were in light of the Ten Commandments. Mm. But today, what what problems do we face? Guilt is a neurosis, Mm. after Freud. Mm. Guilt's a bad thing. Mm. Guilt is is a way to harm yourself, and Mm. should be avoided at all costs. Mm. You know. And then to talk about how God wants you to repent could give the impression that if I just stop doing bad things and I start doing good things, I'll go to heaven. And then on top of that, in light of the history of Christian hypocrisy, um, aren't the unbelievers more moral than Christians because they're vegetarian, because right. they're more conscious about the environment, because right. they give to charities? I mean, who's the real sinner to the modern man? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> the That's Christian is the hater. Mm-hmm. Christian is the one full of hate speech and judgmentalism. Yeah. So there's a lot to negotiate Definitely. when it comes to repentance, isn't there? Totally. Yeah. So, so what I did is I try to sort of lay out using the worldview evangelism approach. Okay. How I think uh, repentance could be included, or mm-hmm. how repentance could be preached in a way that would be understandable, logical, and lay the foundation for the gospel.
0: All right. Cool. So.
1: I used uh, I used a common illustration. I mean, I've, I've had this for years. I think I learned this even when I was back in the charismatic church. Mm-hmm. But basically, it comes down to this. I would always start with the question, why did God make us? God made us to be in a relationship with himself. Mm-hmm. And God governs that relationship using his laws. Now, when you hear the word laws or rules, you know maybe you're a bit like me back in high school. Rules were the things that were there to be broken it's outside the lines that you begin to have fun. I mean come on, getting drunk, getting stoned, sleeping around. Mm-hmm. that's when you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. It's only the the nerds and the people who who had a different way of having fun that kept the rules <laughs> And so you know rules have a negative connotation in our in our context right. So what you have to do is you've got to try and lay out a picture that says, Rules and law are God's good way for us to live. It's the way in which he blesses us. And so I use the picture of the lion in the game reserve. Mm -hmm. You know, inside Mm -hmm. the boundaries of a game reserve, a lion is free to be a lion. It can Mm -hmm. mate, it can hunt, it can mark its territory, it can do whatever it likes. Mm -hmm. But as soon as it gets outside of the game reserve, destruction, either to itself or others or property or stock, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. And so here's the picture. God made us. And he has given us boundaries, the boundaries of his law. He he has he has made a way for us to walk in, and we will know happiness, joy, and fulfillment when we do what we're made for. Yeah. And so I, I always use the example of the seventh commandment. What happens when you break the seventh commandment? Man. Think of man. you know it's God's plan for marriage is one man and one woman for life. Mm. That uh, you know this is the place for uh, to express your love and sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. What happens when you you go outside the boundaries? of the seventh commandment, you know, prostitution, child abuse, pornography, sex trade. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint the picture of a life under God as the heart of repentance. Right. So instead of the, instead of using the word repentance, which could be a buzzword, which could put people off, I'm talking about coming back to what you're made for Mm -hmm. and showing how God's law is good for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I suggested as a as a way to maybe approach repentance. So you, you're getting at the heart of it. So you start with the hook of their self-interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I would do is I'd move it towards, you know, sin is not not only against you, it's also and your neighbor, it's and again and, and against your family. It's also against God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you can bring in the gospel. You know, what does it take? What what's the payment if you break God's law? It's either hell or Christ dying on the cross for you, a God man having to pay the price. You know, and so you can just, you can bring in the gospel from there, Mm. but it's just a way to try and cast a vision of life under God. And then you can start talking about repentance as, you know, turning away from idols, but turning to the Lord. Mm. And, um, I used Acts 20 verse 21 as my sort of verse of departure where Paul's it's, it's his last speech to the Ephesian elders. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how for three years, day and night, he never ceased to preach, uh, both in the Jews and the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's mm. the way he divides it up. You know, mm. why does he divide, why does he say faith towards God? Oh, sorry, repentance, repentance towards faith. God and faith towards Christ. Yeah. Because Christ is the object of faith that we look to in an extrospective way for our for um for what we need to be made righteous in the eyes of a holy God. But repentance mm. towards God is that turn from idols. Back to our Creator, mm. back to His Lordship, back to what we are made for, and so Paul did preach with this double emphasis. I guess we've just got to find a way that's that's not too much of a stumbling block, which mm. which we can present to to this generation.
0: Yeah, how have you found um, Keller's stuff on this?
1: Oh, totally helpful. Yeah. So, so what I found is that Keller and I have a very similar approach when it comes to the idea of doing what you're made for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that. Hey, I say that. Hey, I say that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah totally. Well, he's um, in tune with much of what you were talking about there. And uh, Yeah,
1: exactly. And yeah. so, I mean, I've I've sort of dug a little bit. Uh, when I was looking um, for research, I was look- on the internet <clears throat> looking for repentance in a postmodern context. <laughs> the top oh. 10 hits are all Timothy Keller. Yeah, true. There. That's right. And, yeah. Uh, Man. Yeah, yeah, he
0: is good. I suppose that's where he gets a lot of his flack for, uh, from as well, um, in, in that he's i suppose just really concerned to uh to to make sure that we're communicating well and and to the people that are perhaps more in a fund- fundamentalist setting or just aren't really concerned to to see that um being clearly communicated or you know i just wanting to bring that hard-hitting kind of turn or burn uh deal yeah. you, know, it, you, know, you know you know you
1: know it was interesting to me i was listening to his lectures on preaching christ in a postmodern world mm. and he actually said it was because you know you and I have had a conversation about you know how do you motivate pe- people to live the Christian life? You know why should you obey God? Mm. Is it because He's God or is it because He's good? Right. And Keller said this. He said I tell people in my context that they must obey God because He is God, because mm. that's the message they need to hear. They're atheists and right. they don't accept God at all. And right. so he actually pushes on the point, almost, you know, illogically to our minds. You'd mm. expect them mm. to go the other direction, but right. he. He just blatantly speaks about the godness of God in mm. many contexts. Um, yeah, that's great. So yeah, I, I found that very encouraging. Totally, for um, sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, I like Killer. He's a good dude. Um, all right, cool. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's helpful. I mean, so I mean, we've both had um, uh, street evangelism experience, I suppose we could say.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> good know. old days, eh? Some of
0: some some of it good, some of it bad. I look back on it now, and I think, um, I mean. You know, I did it for probably every single, I don't know, at least weekend. You know, I was street preaching, I was cold turkey, sort of like, you know, whatever, whatever methods, I've you know, I've done it all. Uh, And uh, I look back on it now and I, I think there came a point for me where it's sort of just related to this topic that we're dealing with right now. I found that the street preaching thing was so difficult to, like originally I hoped that just because no one was doing it, um, it would be so shocking that it would actually kind of create a crowd and actually be effective, you know? Uh, it would yeah. be so uncool that it was cool kind of thing. And, uh, and and to a degree that worked in that, you know, I would get a crowd and there would always be <laughs> half a riot happening. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it would be crazy. But eventually I, I, I thought, you know, I'm actually going to put my energies elsewhere because um, I just felt, felt that there was an overarching or an impenetrable – obstacle yeah, with this whole thing I needed more time with people exactly what you've been saying I needed to be able to set up a worldview in a, in a more gentle manner and I think when I started reading Francis Schaeffer um, I, I, it sort of Pulled me back from that. I needed a. I don't mind preaching, and um, but I just want a context where I'm able to set things up more. And I just started yeah. feel, feeling that we need more and more time to do that. And uh, you know, all the gimmicks at my disposal weren't weren't enabling that. Um, you know, I, I needed quick, hard hitting stuff in a street tre- preaching context. The only way you would actually be able to keep a crowd, and as soon as you start setting up anything with a non-captive audience you know you're going to lose them and um and so it just ended up being a self-defeating situation so um you know that was my experience there whereas one-on-one every now and again you would be able to uh talk you know with people that they'd be willing and uh and so that worked better um but i suppose just yeah. you know for those moving along the preaching track you're always looking for outlets for maybe talking to more than one person at a time and so, yeah, and I mean,
1: look, I, th- I think there'll, there'll always be a place for street preaching, and you know, you can adjust your model. You know, while one guy's up there <clears throat> speaking, you've got other people working the crowd, handing out tracts, starting mm. individual conversations. Mm. Sometimes you're just sowing the seed; you're not reaping. Um, sometimes it leads to a one-on-one conversation. Um, you mm. know, I think the Lord does use it, Tiny. and perhaps it'll, it would be a lot more relevant to Timaru than Wellington. Well, I was about uh, we, to say, I mean,
0: even in Wellington, yeah. you had different areas, different suburbs that you would, you know, or like the city and then a suburb, for example, and it was night and day, you know, it was just so different, so radical. And so context is is obviously quite important. I mean, Christchurch, for example, has a culture of street preaching, which is kind of crazy, I find.
1: Yes. Oh, what's I mean, that's Ray Comfort, because I mean, Operation 513 has Ray Comfort in the background there. But uh, what's yeah. interesting is Ray Comfort's been very successful at street preaching and he's developed a whole technique which these guys are tapping into Mm -hmm. as a way of uh bringing the gospel to other people so yeah it's 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 working well Mm -hmm. and i think they did it really well and uh, it was i was intensely encouraged awesome
0: Yeah. yeah brilliant um cool well there we go so if you uh are thinking about uh evangelism which we all should be at some level at some time hopefully that's helpful and if you're in a first world context um man it's a challenge that's for sure um to you know just thinking about south africa even you know how how much easier it is at some level just to share the gospel i mean it's crazy you know people are totally walk up to a
1: guy in the street hey can i talk to you about jesus okay
0: yeah (laughs) yeah like (laughs) you know they're probably lapsed members of some church anyway you know so you just you just have to kind of nudge them um and then it seems like you get even zambia talking to some of our Zambian friends. Um, you know, yeah,
1: Zimbabwe as well.
0: Yeah, same thing. You just you so know, easy. Brush yeah. your teeth, and people are coming to Christ. It seems sometimes, you know? <laughs> um, and and so it's different. And so you know, it's not that everyone's got their own challenges, but I think this is the one one that we have to look at: how to communicate these uh, things that we take for granted. And and Paul did it right. You've got the the Mars Hill thing. Yeah. You know that that was Definitely. his. I think the the well-worn path. We've all looked at that quite quite intensely.
1: Holes of Tyrannus, Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I would encourage people to check out Operation 513. It might appeal to certain types of people. And then, uh, yeah, the Tell Me Conference in Christchurch next year, James White's coming down. So that's something to look out for if you're in the area. Cool. Yeah.
0: All right. There we go. James White. Tell me. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Is Tell Me like an international thing or?
1: Um, well, it's, it's just sort of a, it's run by the Redemption Church, uh, Christchurch. Yeah by these guys from that church but they've like just started the
0: it is like american right uh, well, yes operation
1: 513 right? is international okay but tell me conference is a local conference right run by a local church all right
0: so thank it so wherever people are listening to this they can check it out awesome yeah all right dude. cool thanks a million
1: cool cheers right. man